Gather round cause we're here at Dreamland with none other than Cole Schaefer himself. We're talking about the stuff that stirs your soul and keeps you up late at night. At Dreamland, we sit down with Grammy-winning producers, James Beard award-winning chefs and New York Times best-selling authors as they divulge the processes they've used to turn their dreams into the kind of creative work that's shaping culture as we know it. Buckle up because this is no ordinary show. There will be fire, spilt milk, and more than a few surprises as we discover what it means to be creative at Dreamland. So I'm here today with Jake Heidecker. He's uh, one of my best friends, a hell of a videographer, excuse me, and uh, more recently a content creator that's having an extremely uh, viral moment, which we'll uh, definitely be talking about at some point in this podcast. But before we dive into all that, Jake, I know that uh, in a past life you were a swimmer. You uh, swam at uh, Purdue University. And I remember you telling me this story <laughs> about how the first day as a freshman you tried to kind of show up the team in the weight room and it didn't work out so well. I was uh, hoping you'd kind of uh, retell that now. So, yeah, I and I love that you brought this up because a lot of people I've done podcasts and no one ever goes into the background of my swimming. Probably just they just don't know, but it was a huge part of my life. So I do love to talk about it. Um, yeah, the first day of freshman year we had this weights trainer who was like an ex uh, navy seal lieutenant or whatever you want to call it he used to like train these like crazy athletes and it was like marines or something i don't know but um yeah the first day i was just like feeling it and i was you know how you are as a freshman i mean you're a college athlete too you know how it is when you come in as a freshman you kind of just want to like show the older guys that like you're serious or like that you're really trying to work hard and so, yeah, I, uh, first day just tried to outshine everybody and went way too hard in the weight room. And, um, the next morning I woke up and my arms were literally stuck <laughs> like a robot. Like, uh, you literally could not budge them. And, uh, was it from doing like too many pull-ups or too many pull-ups, too many like, um, bench presses and stuff. And then. I literally, dude, shout out to my roommate, Luke Ingram. He, every morning to get me out of bed, he would literally have to like catch me because we had bunk beds. And so I'm like literally stuck like this, like falling out of the bed. And uh, I couldn't swim for like seven days, dude. So me trying to like show off ended up biting me in the ass because like I couldn't even perform for seven days. Every day I had to do like a two hour uh, physical training session where the um trainer would like take this jelly and rub it on my <laughs> elbow and like my joints like to try to lubricate my arms and like stiffen them out and eventually like seven days later yeah she fixed it but didn't you say was, you like you you would walk around campus like this too yeah <laughs> dude just looking like like a meathead i'm just like <laughs> and i i couldn't do anything about it dude people thought i was joking like it, i was not joking it was crazy damn um would you say there's any correlations between or any parallels between swimming and videography or because sometimes I hear, you know, like when I think about you being a swimmer in your past life or whatever, I'm just like, it, it just seems so 
odd compared to like who you are now, which, you know, you're super into video and doing all that. But I've always been curious, like, are there any parallels? Um, I don't know. I think the biggest thing swimming taught me was just like discipline and like time management probably. Um, but as far as create creatively, like, I don't think they correlate at all. Mm-hmm. And I, and actually I, I would get like so much hate whenever I was swimming there, honestly, like, I remember trying to one day I wanted to make a hype video for the swim team. I was like, I was like, uh, I want to, um, I forgot what inspired me, but you know, just those like badass like, um, but the, the videos they play before like college football games yeah, or like yeah. basketball, it's like a hype thing. I was like, I want to make one. So I remember, uh, doing my workout early in the morning, like by myself so that I could go, when that whole team was going to lift, I could uh, film them. So like no one would call me out for skipping, you know, cause I was like, no, I did my workout in the morning. And I remember doing that and just like, I was trying, I'd be like, guys, uh, can I get a shot of this? And like, dude, everyone just turned me down or ignored me. And they were just like, who is this kid? Like, what is he doing? And uh, yeah, dude, I'd like honestly got, I wouldn't say bullied, but like a, Dude, so people were just haters. People were just hating on me. It was crazy. And I was like, I'm just trying to make like a cool video. So I guess to summarize back to your point, I don't think they correlate at all, actually. And that's probably a big reason why I had to like choose one or the other when it came down to it. Um, But yeah, it's a good question. You know, something I have noticed about you is like you might be one of the most like relentless people that I know just in terms of like if you set your mind to something – uh, you almost become obsessed and, and maybe at times do a fault to like, kind of like make that thing happen. Um, you know, like one, one example is like when you uh, had a film, a video in, in Bloomington, Indiana. And like, I think the day before you had a like injury in a lake involving yeah. an amoeba. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, brain eating amoeba. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do you want to tell that story, dude? Your memory is like an elephant bowl. <laughs> like, where are you pulling these well, stories from? Well, tell the amoeba story, cause dude, wow. Okay, yeah. So I went out to um, Dale Hollow Lake, which is in eastern Tennessee. Shout out to Dale Hollow Lake, and um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look over at jeremy he's just dying um yeah went to Dale Hall lake and then like two or three days later my eye just started hurting like crazy and this is back when i was living at old blue with trey and uh i was like dude trey i can't see and so one, trey literally had to take me to the doctor that morning because i couldn't open my eye and then they were like oh yeah i think it's just an inf- infection and they gave me some eye drops and then the issue was still persistent uh like a week after and then i had to go back and they were like oh sorry this is actually worse than we thought and so then they sent me to another eye specialist and they prescribed like a very specific eye drop um but yeah like i couldn't even open my right eye for a long time it was like if i opened it i would just start like tears would start coming out and so yeah and then i had um this is back when I was still, before I was doing just music videos. So I was doing anything I could to pay the bills. And so I took on a sorority video. So up at IU, I was going to do a sorority video. 
And so, uh, yeah, I had to drive from Nashville to Bloomington while like basically with an eye patch over my right eye. And I just remember literally just crying on the way there because it was so <laughs> bad, dude. It was so painful. Didn't you say you were like screaming in yeah, the car? Yeah, dude, because it was pissing me off. Like I just kept hurting and it just would not get better. And I was getting so frustrated. I was just screaming in the car, like crying. And uh, I just had to make it happen though. I was like, there's no other option. And so while I was filming this sorority video, like I was I was doing it and, and like tears were still coming out of my eyes, dude. It was bad. And uh, I remember people asking, they're like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, it's just a, a thing, an amoeba. Don't worry. And, uh, and but it was like it was actually a brain eating amoeba. I'm exaggerating on that and the brain but, eating part, but the amoeba part, yeah, it's real. Yeah, yeah. Man. So I guess if you don't get it, it treated, it could maybe, dude, fuck your eye up. I don't ever know. since ever since you told me that story, I think that was a few years ago. If I go to a lake, I always wear <laughs> goggles. Yeah, dude. I, I, I yeah, I just went recently and like yeah, I'm very you cautious. get kind of scared about it. Yeah, I do. Um, well, yeah. So, uh, then, you know, at some point you make the transition from shooting sorority videos to doing music videos. I have a good story about my first music video ever. Tell me. Uh, was with someone that you're quite familiar with, Cole. My brother? Your brother. Trey. Okay. Trey Schaefer. Yes. This was, uh, Indianapolis, uh, 2018 i think trey flew in from la or something was coming home for the weekend so he flew into indy and i was with tristan chancellor and uh trey showed up trey and i hadn't talked in like maybe three years um we were good friends in high school but then i went to college and he went to la we just went our separate ways um but tristan was like yo trey my friend jake is starting to make videos uh maybe you guys could just shoot a quick music video and so me and Trey went, ran around and downtown. Tristan, just for some background, yeah, Tristan's like childhood best friend of mine and Jake's. Yes. Um, we grew up with him. Go yeah. On. Yeah. Great guy. Um, Tristan like re reconnected us basically. And then I uh, had a really crappy camera. I didn't even know the settings of the camera. I just knew it shot slow motion and I liked that. Um, but I didn't know how to focus it. I didn't know like lighting. I didn't know anything. And so, but I acted like it, you know, I tried to play the part. I was like, Trey, let's do this video. And Trey was down luckily. Um, and so we went out Indianapolis, like four hours, just ran around different parts of the city and filmed this video for his song, Love Finesse. And then, uh, I was like, I'm going to save this in the edit because my editing has always been stronger. I feel than like my filming or directing or whatnot and so i spent like four weeks editing it went really really hard on that and then trey ended up loving it and like that was what sparked my entire career basically but that was the first music video we ever did and it was love finesse i'm damn. sure you've seen it yeah i love that video yeah yeah I, I honestly like can't believe that that you didn't know what you were doing um i mean obviously it's not as good as what you're doing now but yeah but something is cool about watching. I always watch me and Trey's old videos every now and then. And there is something special about them. Even though yeah. I'm like, ah, this is not good at all. It still is yeah. good. There's like a rawness that you a can't rawness. recreate. Yeah. yeah. I read an interesting story the other day on uh, <clears throat> Thomas Edison when he was inventing uh, 
the light bulb, uh, it kept like overheating um, inside. So it would burn all the filament and then the light bulb would just like basically bust or, or go black. Um, but around that time, uh, a bunch of journalists were hounding him because he was kind of like Elon Musk and that he would lie about when shit would come out. And so like all these journalists were hounding him and they're like, you know, yo, you told us this light bulb was going to be out and it's not. Um, and so he was like, all right, I'm going to just invite each of these journalists to my lab at Menlo Park. So he, he brought him in and he only let like one journalist enter the room at a time. And so like he'd bring him in, they'd kill, like it'd be a dark room. He'd turn on the light for like four minutes and 30 seconds and let him look at it. And then he quickly like escorted them out of the room before it blew up. Uh-huh. And he just did this with like 20 different journalists. And by the end of it, um, all the journalists were so hyped about this invention that um, they said it was going to like change the world and it ended up changing the world. But it like bought Einstein, like, uh, or I'm sorry, Edison, um, literally an entire year to perfect the light bulb. Yeah. Um, so there's crazy. something to be said for like faking it faking until you make it. Yeah. 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 Cause they never would have gave him that chance if no, if he wasn't able to like prove a little, you know? Yeah, exactly. So That's awesome. I don't know. I'm, I'm here for it. Um, yeah. But, you know, like speaking of speaking of music videos, um, you know, something I deeply admire about your work is um, I don't know if I'd call it like versatility, but certainly like the breadth of the artists that you work with. You know, you've been on set with Luke Bryan uh, and you've also done you've also worked with uh, uh, Young and Ace, too. Has that breadth been intentional or mm -hmm. um just kind of a side effect of doing lots of things just a side effect and just me being like young and eager to learn like saying yes to pretty much every opportunity early on um but yeah it is interesting like the spectrum i guess yeah. of projects yeah. i've worked on it also just from like uh it, it's a wide spectrum of like um type of music and mm -hmm. genre i guess and then it's also a wide spectrum of like budgets for videos yeah. you know like i've done the most free but low budget nothing thing possible and then i've also done like the higher end hollywood big budget productions um so it, it is cool but i think having that wide range really helps a lot because some people like only get stuck in the high budget thing and then maybe they lose some creativity or some people only get stuck in like the free stuff and they never get to like work on bigger um, projects with crew and whatnot. Um, so I'd say like budget wise and genre wise, I think I've just tried to experience everything yeah. to like really find out what I want to actually do. And what, uh, I like. what, what was it like working with Luke Bryan? That, Oh, I have a great story. Um, we interrupt this broadcast to bring to you a message from one of our lovely patrons here at Greenland. One of my favorite writers of all time is Hunter S. Thompson. He was played by Johnny Depp in the book turned film, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, the film got a lot of people interested in psychedelics. It also freaked a lot of people out too. Take the opening line. Suddenly there was a terrible roar all around us and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats. Psychedelics, when abused, can be this a scary trip. They can be a sky full of bats. But when taken in sub-hallucinogenic doses, they can enhance your creativity. Schedule 35 is one of the most trusted psilocybin brands among creatives in North America. Now they got micro doses, which is what I like to take when I'm feeling like I'm in a creative rut. 
If you're into seeing bats, you can use the super dose. Also have the lover's dose if you're feeling frisky. If you say fuck the doses and you just want chocolate, they also got psilocybin chocolate. Today, Schedule 35 is offering Dreamland listeners, that's you, 15% off your first order with discount code DREAMLAND at checkout. If you want to claim that, just head over to schedule35.co and use discount code DREAMLAND at checkout. Let's get back to the show. I don't know if I've told you this. Maybe I have slightly, but uh, with Luke Bryan, I was a PA. So that's like the bottom of the bottom. It's a production assistant. When you're on a music video, like I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just like someone, luckily it was like, yo, we're looking for PAs for this Luke Bryan video. And I was like, sign me up. Um, and I had no idea what to expect, but I showed up early and it was a great, there's like 80 people there, you know, it's huge music video. And um they had me be the stand-in for Luke Bryan. So like while Luke was uh, getting, you know, his clothes and like his assistants are like touching up makeup and all that stuff, um, I would stand in the shot so that the camera crew could like get their um, points and get the lighting down and positioning. Um, So it was funny. I would actually be wearing his clothes. Like they would give me Luke's shirt. I'd put it on and go stand there. And then, uh, the funniest story, and I always say this, this is the headline of, of my story or like the thumbnail of my story is Luke Bryan grabbed my ass. <laughs> so that's that's the story I always tell people like, what? And I'm like, yeah, Luke Bryan grabbed my ass. And uh, it was hilarious. One time we were doing the switch where I was standing in and he was about to come in and he just came up behind me and just grabbed that thing. And... I was like so taken off guard, but I think that shit's funny. So I, I, I was like, yo, what's up? He's like, oh, that wasn't me. And he like played it off like it was his assistant, just like a classic dad joke thing. Um, and then we switched and then yada, 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 the day went on. But I, I always thought that was hilarious. Yeah. You should have filed a uh, complaint with HR. Yeah, I should have sued him, honestly. Yeah, honestly. I would have made a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then I mean, on the other end of that spectrum, you know, you got Young and Ace. Who, oh yeah, he's he. I mean, he's a fascinating dude. Where a couple years ago, um, he came out with a song. Was it "When I Smoke" or "Who, who I Smoke"? Who I Smoke? Yeah, and it was like this. Um, he was essentially like freestyling over uh, a thousand miles. Yeah, um, that one like yeah, I need you. Yeah, and the song the song like actually slapped, but it had a bunch of backlash because uh, I think he listed like three dudes in a rival gang that Mm -hmm. had gotten murdered. Yeah. Um, So I'm just curious, like what was, what was that experience like working with him? Yeah, that was crazy. So that was a little more into where I was more experienced in the music video world. So I actually knew like what to do with the budget and I knew like how to actually produce a video from A to Z. Um, So I was like, directing dp and editing that whole video um and so that was down in atlanta and uh it was cool i had never really heard about young and ace until i got presented the opportunity and then i like did a whole whole deep dive on him and like learned and uh it's pretty crazy like he um was involved in a lot of gang activity um down in jacksonville florida so that's like where he's from um and so yeah i think uh he got shot like one time he just pulled up to a stop sign with his brothers or something and then a rival gang came up and shot him like 10 times and he survived. Oh, damn. Um, but 
I think, unfortunately, his friends or brothers or um, whoever it was passed away. But he talks about that in an interview on YouTube. Um, and so I watched that and I'm just like, dang, this this dude's like lived a crazy life. Um, so I was going into it like with that in mind, just like, yo, this is real shit. Like these people are involved in like real things where people are dying, you know. So um, we get down there. Um, it was a really actually cool video ended up like everything worked out pretty smoothly we had this space rented um for him like a big white uh psych studio he pulled up with like a bunch of his friends and all this uh stuff and it was hilarious i was like i remember i was the guy who like went out to get them and like uh at first they like kind of acted like a little sketched out like, like who the fuck is this guy coming up on us and I was like, yo, what's up? I'm Jake. Like, I'm the director today. Um, and uh, Young and Ace was really cool. He's like, oh, what's up? He was super chill. But there were a couple of his, like, uh, security or just, like, bodyguards that were just mean mugging me, dude. <laughs> like, they were like, who is this guy? Just staring me down, like, not even saying anything. Um, and then one of them was like, yo, can we smoke in there? And I was like, I mean, I don't care, but let me go ask the guy because, like, we're renting this space. So I asked the guy. I was like, dude. Uh, they're asking if they can smoke in here. And he's like, he's like, absolutely not. He's like, there's no way. And so I had to go be the bearer of bad news. And that just made me in their eyes, not young and Ace's eyes, but the other dudes, they're probably like, ah, fuck this guy even more now. Like it's fucking, I I, fucking nerd. I had to deliver the bad news that they can't smoke. Um, anyways, we get in there, you know, working with him was actually incredible, like super respectful guy, super humble, like very present, you know? Like when you're talking to him, he's he's fully there. He's like, yo, what do we need? Let's do Locked this. Locked in, yeah. Locked in. And so, uh, yeah, that was awesome to work with him. And um, yeah, everything went pretty smooth. And yeah. other than the no smoking thing, yeah. it was pretty good. Having worked with um, both Luke Bryan and Young and Ace, who to you is more of like a, an artist, like an artist artist? I mean, I would say Young and Ace, dude, honestly. Like he... Uh, I just think his story is pretty crazy. I don't even know too much about Luke Bryan's story. Yeah. And um, I guess I'm not a huge country fan, but uh, I think Young and Ace's story is crazy. And he's, he's still making music now. I think he makes some really great songs as well. Um, and yeah, I'm yeah. Say that. it's badass. Um, cool. Well, uh, I think right now would be a great time for a, uh, a cereal break. Or, or honestly, we can keep it in too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I like this. How do you, how do you feel like it's going so far? Oh, it's going great, Cole. You, yeah. you have some good questions. Thank you, um, Jeremy, and I have been just digging into your past. I love it. <laughs> with the, uh, you, with the young and ace story, I was kind of trying to tee you up because I thought I remembered you saying, uh, sometimes like when, when people will land in certain cities they can't carry guns with them or whatever right. so they have like a a contact there that'll bring them check in yeah what what was that what was can, that can we just talk about that then yeah quickly? yeah also before we talk about guns um why do you like fruity pebbles and it's okay to take smaller bites <laughs> huh. dude okay so yeah, some are. 
Um, <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> Dude, because I can hear myself chewing through this mic. Um, so, it's cereal time. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Cole brought my favorite cereal, Fruity Pebbles. Jeremy actually bought it. Thank you, Jeremy. These ones are really interesting because they have a lot of green pebbles, and that looks cool. Um, they, well, hold on. <laughs> let's let's unpack that. Um, <laughs> so, so do you guys fucking drug me or something? So What's with the green fruity pebbles? So you're telling me that certain there's not like an even portion in every fruity pebble box, dude? Right? I've never seen this many green fruity pebbles in my life. Let me see, bro. Look how many green ones there are. Okay. All right. Um, but what were you saying? Uh, I love Fruity Pebbles. I just always have. I think they're the greatest cereal. Um, yeah, so tell me about the gun thing. Well, let's fucking talk about it. Tell me. So, um, there's a certain thing in the uh, maybe hip-hop world, maybe just fame world in general but it's like you know these guys are flying in from florida you can't like bring guns with you on the plane you know so what they do is like you got to check in you know like when you land in the city it's like you got to check in so you know i guess they landed checked in well i don't guess i know they did they definitely checked in because when i showed up they were all strapped and they were ready i mean ready for just in case anything wrong would have happened. But like every dude there um, was packing mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm talking that type of packing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gathered. Um, and I imagine like, I, I, I mean, you've probably only fired a, a like a nerf nerf gun or a suit, <laughs> like a super soaker. So I imagine, I imagine like you being like a 20- airsoft, airsoft. Okay. All right, but I'm. <laughs> but I forget airsoft. All right, but I imagine like you pulling up like twenty-two year old kid. Um, that was probably like intimidating a bit. Oh yeah, I was definitely like, who on edge. But then there, there's also a party that almost feels good about it. Like, hey, in case yeah. the ops do pull up, like. At least you're not shit out of luck. Yeah. You know? Let's like kind of move away from video for a bit. Or not video, but like music videos. Uh, And you know, something I'm pretty fascinated by right now with you is like, dude, you know, you're having probably the most viral moment I've ever seen anyone have ever, you know? Um, And it's with this like new, uh, new editing setup kind of... would you call it a campaign or a series? Yeah, let's call it a series. Yeah, a series, right? Yeah. Um, you know, has that has that gotten like collectively a hundred million views? Yeah, I think it's at like one one sixty total, yeah. maybe on Instagram alone, dude. Which is crazy to me. I never could have imagined that. It's insane. And and like Jeremy, Jeremy and I were researching like how like how because when you hear like one hundred sixty million views it's easy in your head to maybe not realize just like how big of a number that is. And we were like just looking on YouTube and like JFK's inauguration has 2.7 million views. And obviously that was done before the internet, but it's just, it's, it's an insane number. Right. Um, I think I'm, 
I think what I'm most curious by is what, like people look at that and they're like, man, that'd be awesome to have that kind of notoriety. But what are some of the negative effects of all that? Oh yeah, there's a lot. I mean, it's just crazy because like, if you would have told me two years ago, like, hey, in two years, you're going to start this trend and get 160 million views or whatever. I would have been like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. But then whenever you live it, it just like becomes the new normal. So then it's like, I think the biggest negative part about it is just like the comparison now from every video moving forward. Because it's like, and I'll be super open and honest about it, but it's like, dude, I'll post a video and it does like, 30,000 views, which two years ago, I would have been like, that's fucking awesome. But now I get 30,000 views and I'm like, damn, this is embarrassing. And it like fucks with your head, you know? The view thing is crazy because like social media and the way it's designed, dude, it's, it's like a drug, bro. Like when you see all the crazy attention and every time you refresh your page, it's like hundreds and hundreds of new bing, bing, bing notifications. And then it's like, okay, that's the new standard now. So mm-hmm. like you're always trying, or at least me, it's like a comparison thing. It's like, okay, now every video I have to do has to do millions. Otherwise I'm a complete failure. And like, I know that's not true, but when you're living in it, like it does feel like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you know it as well. I mean, I think anyone who like exists in this world mm-hmm. knows that feeling, but like, yeah, it's just like the comparison starts getting to your head. Um it, it gets really bad sometimes, but I have to remind myself to like step out of it and just be like, dude, it's at the end of the day, it's just social media and like any, it's like the lottery, dude, anything can, can go or any, dude, I've posted like six videos in a row. They've all done like 30,000 views mm-hmm. and it's like, damn, yeah, is this over? But it's like, just got to keep going. When that does phase out, how do you not end up being, uh, kind of like the guy with the sign. Yeah. I I almost feel bad for the guy with the sign. Yeah. Uh, Just because it's like he had this moment and he'll forever be known as the guy with the sign. Yeah. But then it fizzles out. I mean, it fizzles fizzles out. But if you're smart, you're like, okay, what's my next? How do you pivot? Yeah. Have you thought about that? Like what's next? Oh yeah. Um, And this goes to, I mean, shout out to Danny Duncan, dude. He, I mean, gave me some great advice. Um, you know, I did that collaboration with Danny right. and then, you know, we, we became good friends and just chat back and forth every now and then. Um, but he sent me this really good voice memo and was just like, dude, when I was starting out, like I wanted to be able to do whatever I want. He was like, so I didn't just uh, only focus on like prank videos. Like he would do a prank video, then he would do a and a then he would do a vlog, then he would do like uh, an interview or whatever. And he was like, he always made sure that he was kind of like always changing his content and like not sticking in one lane. And uh, I was like, that's really good advice, man. And, and I believe that. And I'm already starting to try to do it. Like I've, I've done, uh, I've started like vlogging some of the stuff I do oh, yeah. and working on editing those to post to YouTube. Um, I've started experimenting with like trying to make viral videos that aren't the editing setup. Um, yeah, like the other day you did one with that golf influencer where right. she like hit a golf ball, it was short, and then you dove onto the green and sort of edited the ball yeah. to like keep rolling. Which is like sort of still in the same niche, but it's not, like I'm not just like, all right, I have to do it on a screen because mm-hmm. eventually the joke gets old, right? Everyone is like, okay, this is enough. So I've started pivoting a little. Like I did the Crumble Cookies collab 
where I start edited like real cookies falling out of the screen. Um, I just did another Adobe collab, which comes out next week, which when people see this video, it'll already be out. So you can go look at it, but it's, um, taking like hacking an ATM machine and like, and I showed you this one yesterday yeah. and money flies out, you know? Um, so I'm trying to transition into more of just like funny things that require a lot of editing, but look real, but aren't centered around screens. So yeah. I think if I can start to get a couple of those to go viral, um, then I can, you know, play in that lane for like a few months and then maybe that dies out and then I'll find another avenue. Yeah. But I'm always trying to like not get stuck, you know, and try yeah. to think of new ideas. I think that's smart. I mean, I'm, I'm almost seeing like, like the, uh, the, the recent edit you did with the golf ball and, uh, the golf influencer, uh, it's almost like the new age chalk zone in mm -hmm. a way, you know, where you're, uh, do you remember that cartoon? I don't even know what that is. I was about to ask. Okay. You. Like, uh, it was called chalk zone. Um, Jeremy, do you remember that shit? Yeah. It was like this cartoon where this kid like ran around and he had this magic piece of chalk and anytime he got himself into a weird situation, he would just draw shit mm -hmm. with his chalk. Um, so he'd like, could like draw like an, a window and jump out of the window if he was in a weird, or like uh, draw like a fire hose and put out a fire and shit. It's um, like Doodle Bob. Do you remember yeah. that on SpongeBob? Yeah, it is like Doodle Bob. I remember? hope I'm not like confusing that. No, no you're not. Zone, you do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. Well, anyways, Doodle Bob. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go into Chalk World. All right, let's keep going. Um, holy shit. Uh, so one, one thing I wanted to call out too on like the new editing setup was it was interesting. Um, you know, Jeremy and I were doing some research into this and the first video that you had posted got like only a thousand views. And then you literally like went back took the same video, took off like a half a second and then it, it blew the fuck up. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. I, I tell the story a lot. I love it. It's just like crazy. I went out one day, filmed the video, posted it, did I think 2000 views on TikTok. I almost just was like, all right, on to the next idea. And the next day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to trim off like the first second and then change the, um, the text on the screen. And just repost it and just see what happens. Um, and then I did and it did like a million views. And I was just like, gosh, it's, it's crazy insane. that you can change the smallest thing ever. And it just goes to show how important I think the first like one to two seconds of a video is. Because in the first one, it's like me throwing the mouse in the air. And it's kind of hard to focus on what's happening. Whereas the second one was like the video starts and boom, you're in the action. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is interesting. And I'll use TikTok sometimes as like an experiment, you know, where it's just like, I might post the same video three times, change something every time. And it, it's happened also more like the um, uh, airport video where I was editing in the airport, posted it, did like 5,000 views, posted it the next day. All I did was add like the Snapchat text yeah. to the video. And then it did like 6 million views. And it's literally the same video, Insane. same so, video. And it's, it's, it's hard to know, like, is that the algorithm, you know, and you're just catching it on a good day or, you know, is, is there something about like editing, um, not to be too punny, but is there something about like editing lightly can like really improve a piece of art or yeah. content or whatever, you know? It really is strange. Like 
you just never know. And sometimes the videos that I think are the funniest videos or like the craziest ones just don't hit, you know? So yeah. it's kind of just like throw it into the ether and like hope for the best, you know? Man, and like one thing that I, I really struggle with as a as a writer is like sometimes I'll put out something that I've spent a lot of time on or that I'm super proud of or that I know like in my heart is really good. I mean, for whatever reason, <clears throat> it might not get anywhere close to the amount of attention that I think it deserves. Um, but then other stuff maybe I put out gets uh, a lot more attention. And it's hard to, like, something weird happens as a creative where all of a sudden you go from valuing your work, um, like, internally. Like, your your own internal perception of your work what is what matters. And it kind of, like, flips to... Well, it's all about how like others perceive your work. Yeah, dude. How bad. how have you been able to sort of juggle all that? Where if you know in your heart like this is a dope video, I'm proud of this shit, mm-hmm. and it just it's just like goes to a sea of crickets. Yeah, dude, it sucks. I mean, I think that's what every creative struggles with right now, especially artists. I think uh, music artists because it's like this. There's a devil and an angel, right? The angel is like make the dopest shit you can that you're really proud of and is a good song and like is art. And then the devil is like, make the thing that's going to go the most viral. Cause that's all anyone cares about these days, you know? So it's like, and I see both sides for sure. Like you definitely like, at least what I've done the past six months is just kind of realize that like, you got to play the game, you know, like you can still make dope art, but like you also got to play the game a little, I think. Um, which sucks. Like, I don't think you had to play the game like this 10 years ago, but with just how saturated everything is now, like you kind of have to play into like the, it might be cringy or it might be like, Oh, I'm selling out. But like, it's just the name of the game right now, I think. And like, I'm, I'm trying to just in my mind, like mentally compartmentalize it and just be like, yo, I know this isn't the greatest art piece that I've created, but like it's going to go viral and then maybe that in turn helps me uh, create more art later on by giving me more opportunities or something. Then it's like, you know, he may as well just do it. Um, but that is, is something I think about all the time is like how I perceive my work versus like post it and then like refresh, refresh, read the comments, read the comments, like trying to validate it through other people's comments, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that it's a misconception among um, all artists that like eventually you reach this sort of new plane as an artist and all of a sudden you don't have to think about uh, the commercial side of your art, which is bullshit. You know, I mean, I know like uh, Scorsese, like nobody would ever think, oh, that director is like selling out. But early on in his career, he had a quote. It was like a, a, one for them, one for me. Yeah, your email. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You just put and, out a really good email that was like, "Yeah, you gotta." It's, it's not. It, it's not this fairy tale world where you can always just create the dopest art you want to create. It's like, dude, you gotta fucking pay the bills somehow. Yeah, like, you, you gotta do. survive. So yeah, I was, I was complaining to uh, an, uh, a musician friend of mine the other day about that same thing, and they're like, "I'm going to play this like private island for this." fucking multi-billionaire that I don't want to fucking play it, you know, and it's going to be this 
sort of like suit and tie event. No one there is going to like know my music, Mm -hmm. but I'm doing it because it puts this much money in my pocket to go to my tour so I can do something creatively there. Exactly. So like, I don't think anybody escapes it. Yeah. Um, No, at at every level, dude, I think there's always like just stuff you got to do. You may not like to do it, but it's kind of like you have to, to survive or to, to help, um, you know, fund, if you want to call it fund or to help, free up time or give them more resources to right. the things that you actually like deep down, like want to create. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I guess like, you know, moving away from kind of the content side, um, something that's been pretty, uh, big in your journey as of late is sobriety. Um, I think it's been two, I think you've been sober for two years. Uh, I started, under. 20 uh, December or January 1st, 2022. So it's been uh, a year and nine months, a year and nine months, two years will be at the end of December. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, um, I have a two part question. Part one, what is your craziest drunk story? And two, (laughs) and two, what was the moment where you're like, all right, something's got to change. I got to, I got to get sober. Dude, well, I think I can answer that in both of those questions in one story. Yeah, I had a drinking problem. I had a really bad drinking problem and it it was birthed from college, dude. I think anyone who went to not even just a Big Ten school, but anyone who went to a large university knows that like, dude, college is a breeding ground for alcoholism and alcoholics. Like it is the number one thing that, everyone does in college it's parties are like the only thing that matters it's just the culture you know it's like every single weekend i was getting really drunk and doing stupid things but um yeah that carried over to like my professional life once i moved here to nashville still pretty much every weekend drinking blacking out doing stupid shit and um the story that like was like fuck dude i gotta i gotta switch or change something was in Evansville, Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, we went to Evansville, which to the audience, Evansville is where Cole and I both grew up. Um, so we went back home. Our parents, our family still live there. And uh, we went home for Thanksgiving. And I think it was the like the Tuesday night. Or I no, think Wednesday. It's Wednesday, yeah. Because we, Fat Wednesday or something, what's it called? Is it Fat Wednesday or that Tuesday, but it's like blackout Wednesday. Yeah. Blackout Wednesday. And you, we, you just get fucked up. Fucked. Yeah. Up. And then you go into Thanksgiving the next day. Just hung over yeah. shit. And that's what happened. So, uh, I remember Wednesday night, you know, we all meet at Cole's, uh, we start the drinks, you know, we go out drinking all night. Well, Cole ended up leaving early or something. Trey ended up leaving early. And it was just me and a couple other people left. It's like 3 a.m. And next thing you know, I wake up to all these lights in my face. And I'm like, what? And I, I come to my senses and I'm sitting in the middle of the road in a random road in Evansville, surrounded by police cars. And I'm just like, what is going on? I honestly don't remember too much because I was so blacked out. But uh, yeah, I like wake up in the middle of this road, this, these cops asking me questions and I don't even remember what I said, but like somehow I think they called me an Uber or something and I ended up 
making it home. And I woke up the next day and uh, my keys were gone. Yada, yada, yada. That's a quick little story. We ended up finding the keys. But uh, yeah, I couldn't even attend my family Thanksgiving because I was so violently hungover. And I remember my whole family is eating downstairs and I'm just upstairs like puking. And I ended up taking a photo of myself. I can actually find this photo and I'll put it up. It's embarrassing, dude. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to do that. There's like, <laughs> there's like tears in my eyes. I'm like, you sent me the photo, dude. I look so bloated and fat and just like, dude, it's the worst picture I've ever taken. And I looked at that picture and I was like, damn, is this really my life? And I was like, I gotta fucking make a change or something, because I'm like, my whole family's downstairs and I can't even join them for Thanksgiving. And then it's just like, dude, you're you're getting woken up to the cops laying in the middle of the road like I could have been someone could have run me over so like I could have died very easily could have died and uh yeah that was probably like the turning point for me where I was like damn I gotta make a change yeah and I ended up drinking one more time after that for like around Christmas time I went to New York with some friends and drank um but then yeah that I was just like all right I'm stopping cold turkey and then January 1st just flat out stopped and uh yeah, now I'm going on a year, nine months without a sip of alcohol. There very clearly is like a correlation with the way your career has taken off and, you know, you cutting back on alcohol. I'm curious, like, is there anything that you miss about just letting loose, getting fucked up? Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the best memories are just like with your boys, you yeah. know, hitting the town and, and that excitement that you feel, you know, like yeah. this very just like all your boys about to go out like that. You can't recreate that. Yeah. And I do miss those moments, but then I think about the hangovers and I'm just like, ah, oh, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Because yeah. in order to have the, that feeling and the, uh, you have to end up paying for it the next day, which is usually with like a really bad hangover. And I'm just like, ah, oh, it's just not worth it anymore. Yeah. But yeah. I do miss that part. Just like having fun with the boys really. Yeah. No, I, I respect it though, man. Um, yeah. Um, but, um, I'm curious, like what, uh, and we're going to kind of slow down the interview here, um, here soon, but what is your creative Everest? Like, what do you have yet to conquer? That's kind of like on the horizon. Hmm. It's a great question. I think I've always, one of my, like, what would you call it? Like, not a milestone, but what what's just like a all-time goal? What would you call that? Um, I think I'd call it um, Mount Everest or Creative Everest. Right, right, right. So <laughs> that's why you asked that question. Okay. Um, basically, I think once I completely uh, direct a full-length movie, that is my Mount Everest. Okay, a full. So I want to create a movie that will be seen in cinemas, and I can I can go to a public theater and I can watch a movie that I made. That is just like, all right, you've done it. Goddamn. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, Who's your favorite director? A great question. I would say Christopher Nolan, probably. Christopher Nolan. Yeah. All right, dude. The 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 Dark Knight. That intro scene with the Joker where they rob the bank is probably one of the greatest intro scenes in cinema history in my mind. Hell yeah. I mean, dude. Who's yeah. your, who would you say your second favorite uh, director is? 
such a typical answer, but I do like Tarantino movies. You do like Tarantino. Dude, Django. It's, it's a one good of the one. greatest movies. It's a good oh, one. I love it. Um, you said you you had a couple things you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of want to ask you a question or two. Okay. You can ask me. You can ask me one. Okay, one question. One question for you, Cole, is what what was the what is the, the hardest, most physically demanding thing that you think you've ever done? It, not in like one, like maybe it was uh, over the course of 24 hours or maybe it was just like an intense workout. But what's one thing where you just spent it all physically? Hmm. Probably like my days, uh, like when I would tear out carpet for a living. I, I wanted you to say you that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I, uh, like, you know, the story, but I used to work like odd jobs to foot the bills while I was trying to like make it as a writer. And, um, I had to go into these old apartment buildings. It was like 110 degrees in them. It was the middle of the summer, like no AC. They were getting remodeled. And my job was to like tear out the carpet, um, roll it up, kind of hoist it over my shoulder, take it out to a van um, and I would just do it like all by myself all day long, uh, which was actually like kind of a blessing. Cause I would just listen to podcasts. Um, yeah. and, and like, I kind of felt like I was getting almost like my MBA a little bit, um, during that time. What's like the, cause I know that you would rip out the carpets, but I'm trying to paint the picture for my head and maybe the audience, like, what does that look like ripping out a carpet? Like, is there a certain tool you use or do you literally just get gloves and your bare yeah, hands. Yeah, so like you when just... you lay a when you lay a carpet down, you have tack strips, and tack strips kind of go along the side of the wall, and they're almost like hooks, kind of. And you, uh, so when carpenters are laying the carpet, the carpet actually sticks to those tack strips. So if you go uh-huh. into a house now and you go to like the edge of the carpet, you'll you can actually feel the tacks um, in certain areas of the carpet. So like to tear it out, you have to like run a knife. Uh, anywhere on the carpet, um, preferably like near the tack strips, mm-hmm. you like stick your hand in there and then just yank and it pulls the carpet from the tack strips. Sounds terrible. Um, and then you kind of get it going and you just kind of keep pulling and pulling. It's like really hard Velcro essentially. Um, and these aren't the cleanest carpets. No, no. You know, you're getting like, you're getting piss like stains. piss stains. You know, I saw like some needles in there and shit. Like it's, it's not fun work. Uh-uh. Um, but yeah, that's, I would say that's probably like the toughest. So toughest was it like to how many hours a day? Four or five hours. And just ripping, no just breaks. Just ripping, no breaks, Gosh. no breaks. That's crazy. Um, all right. So to kind of close out the, the interview, and I really appreciate your time today, we're going to do something called uh, Matches with Cole. Matches with Cole. So uh, you're going to take three matches. I'm going to ask you three questions. You're going to strike the match and you have until the, f- the fire reaches the end of the match to answer the question. Okay. Or if I'm like a sicko, I, I could just start letting it uh, burn. You can let it burn your fingers if you want. but Just to get the last point of the question. Yeah, if you'd like, yeah. Okay. Weird that your mind immediately goes there, but there you go. Take them. All right, get your match ready. Oh, man. It'd be embarrassing if I didn't know how to strike a match. Don't strike it yet. Let me know when, once it's ready. Okay. Uh, it's ready. All right. So I'm going to ask the question. 
and then I strike and it. As soon as I finish, you have to strike the match. Wait, our lighting changed. Well, it's to dramatize. Oh, that's, the with that's cool. Yeah, you would think that you would be able to pick up on that. <laughs> um, all right, so the new editing setup, it's essentially you just like shooting a bunch of different short videos of, uh, you know, an editing setup. And sometimes you'll like hack into a Samsung refrigerator with a flat screen or uh, you've done baseball games on like the Megatron. Um, I'm curious, what is your editing setup my editing setup used to be this uh you turn it upside down speed up the flame a little bit yeah sideways is a fair trade yeah it's fair uh my editing setup is it used to be this really bad pc and but now i switched to macbook which is way better it's changed my life uh always using a mac it's just portable i can work anywhere i don't have to where where, where do you edit at i don't have to be stuck in my closet is that where you edit though? Yeah. Why? Well, because it's the only time I can place I can be really alone. <laughs> All right, get the next match ready. <laughs> this is an interesting game. Yeah, it is. Dude, I couldn't even think there. I know. You gotta you gotta be <laughs> I a gotta work quicker. on that. Yeah. Okay, next one. I will turn it upside down. It burns way faster, but it's kind of part of the game. Yeah, it is, it is. Or I mean no it's one sideways. Wants to see- no one wants to see it like this. Though. No, dude. Sideways is is fair. Okay. Yeah. Next question. All right. Um, next question is... All right. Name 10 different kinds of cereal. Captain Crunch. Cheerios. Frosted Mini Wheats. Um, s'mores. Um, uh, um, dude, I'm actually blanking. Jesus Christ, dude. Come on, bro. Uh, you got four special K. <laughs> um, uh, Cocoa Krispies. Um, you lost that one, bro. You lost it. 10 was a lot. Yeah, it was. That was tough. All right. Well, you know what? I, I just wanted to do that twice. I think three's a little bit overkill. Uh, but anyways, we could do three. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, anyways, Jake, on uh, each of these interviews, as a thank you for coming on and being so gracious with your time, we like to give our guests a gift. So you're going to get a gift today. Okay. Um, and even though he's not your favorite director, he's your second favorite director. Um, and, uh, we thought it was kind of the perfect, um, the perfect, uh, combination of your love for music and being a music videographer and also, um, your love for, uh, cinema. So, uh, here is your gift. What's this? Just a, uh, limited edition soundtrack from Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Bro, you know who you're like right now? Who's that? Nardwar. You know who that is? Yes, I do. It's a a hell of a compliment, huh, Jeremy? Bro, this is (laughs) Yeah, dude, dude, this is crazy. Wow. Show the, show the people at home. And this is an incredible movie, by the way. Dude, I love that movie. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Great movie. But this is so cool, dude. Wow. Thank you, Cole. 
Yeah, man. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, also, do you have anything else you want to say to the listeners? Oh yeah. Viewers? This is where you plug it. So, um, yes. All I ask if you've made it this far and you care is to, uh, go ahead and give jelly house a little follow, um, on social media, maybe a subscribe on YouTube. Um, and yeah, just keep up. This is awkward because I can't just let it be. Just leave it be. We can get it later. Um, as I was saying, uh, give a little subscribe, give a little follow to, if you're interested in following anything that I do. And, um, yeah, I ex- expect more skits, expect more VFX editing magic. And um, yeah, that's oh, yeah. all. Thanks, bro. Thank you, Mr. Cole. Have a great one. Well, folks, that wraps up another thrilling edition of Dreamland. Cole Schaefer and his team of creative misfits work their darn tails off each week to make this show possible. How do you compare your group with the Beatles? I don't know. How do you compare it with the Beatles? I don't compare it at all, you know. There's no point. Well, let's get right down to brass tacks. Do you think you're better than they are? Oh, but what? You know, it's, it's, it's not the same group, so we just do what we want and they do what they want. And there's no point in going on comparing it. So you can prefer us to them or them to us. It's just diplomatic, you see. Very different.